You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity and the space and the time to gather to worship and to hear your message. I pray right now, God, as you transition, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Father, I pray, God, that this word will take root in, your, in our hearts, Father. That, God, it will not go from one ear to the other. But, Lord, help us to soak up your word and your promises. Father, to hear your message, not just to hear, but to put it into action. Father, I just want to thank you for this time once again. We love you. We cast aside every distraction. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Let's take a moment to greet our neighbors. Now today, I know that last week I promised you guys that it was going to be part two of the message with God's will part one and God's will part two. But Saturday something felt as if I needed a shift. We needed to go to a, a different message because the thing is in December, God's will is not something that we're going to be preaching on because December we're going to be focusing on Christmas. I thought part two would be cool to do it in January because it's kind of like, you know, when video game comes out, it's like part one and then if they give you part two, then it's like, what? that's whack, right? So it's good to kind of wait a little bit then go back to part one as our foundation and do part two. So the message is called Father to the fatherless. Turn to your neighbor and say, Father to the fatherless. And say, I am your father. No, you're not. Okay. Now, Father to the fatherless, the scripture reference that I want to start off with is found in Psalm chapter 68 in verse 5 to 6. Now, let's begin. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is who is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. If you were to ask, who is God and what is his character? That's who he is. He is, his title is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. God sets the lonely in families. And I was thinking about the lonely families, especially during Thanksgiving, people without fathers, families that are broken. Now in the Bible, out of all the titles that God gives himself, he has a lot of titles, but the title that God chooses to call himself, that God chooses the title, Abba, Father, and turn to your neighbor and tell them, God is your father. As human beings, the meaning of father is understood in all of our hearts, yes? Despite the color of our skin and where we come from, it's a universal title understood by all human beings. We all understand, we know what a father is supposed to be. It's embedded in our DNA. I will be a father to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. It says in Romans 8, 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It's a reminder that God is not this faraway God that we revere and yes, we respect and yes, we worship, but he is a God, he is a father. It's a relationship that he is your father, he is your Abba father, and he is your daddy. And the Bible is clear that he's not just our father, but he's not just a casual father who does his own thing, he's too busy for us. He's a protector of the fatherless. He's the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of widows. And we see the characteristic of who God is. So no matter how tough life gets, no matter how difficult things get in your life, even though right now you may not have a close relationship with your earthly father, or you may have a, a broken view, a broken definition of what it is, what it means to have a good father, and no matter how tough life gets during this Thanksgiving season, never forget that your God is your Abba Father. That my God, He is my avenger. He is my protector, he is my provider, and he is my strength. So three points for you. Number one is this. I have a father who welcomes me. Let's repeat. Ready? One, two, three. I have a father who welcomes me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are always invited. Not you, Ronnie. Nope. Prodigal. Let's go back to the story of prodigal. 
What does prodigal mean? The prodigal child, the prodigal son. What does it mean when I call Jerry a prodigal son? It means, it means wasteful. Uh, the pro- definition of prodigal means wasteful individual. An individual that wastes, in this sense, in the story of Luke 15, it's a story of, of a man who spends, he wastes his money with reckless spending. He has no self-control. And in this story in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, it's a powerful story. It's a powerful reminder about God's agape love that welcomes us despite what we have done. That when we humble ourselves and when I repent, when I change my mind, when I'm going to pursue after God, when I make a decision that I'm going to go back home, I'm going to run back to God. This parable in Luke 15 is a powerful reminder for us of God's powerful, agape, patient love. And this parable shows us God's willing heart to love and to forgive his people when we run after him, when we return to him and repent us. So in this story in Luke 15, it says, there was a man, which this man is the father, it represents God. A man who had two sons, the sons representing us, his children. So in this story, it says, the younger one said to the dad, the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got up, got together all he had, set off in a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. The story goes that after he spent everything that he had, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Again, this is a story of a Jewish man. right? Jews don't associate themselves with pigs. So we know that he went outside of the region. He's away from his own people. He's a stranger in this land. And he hires himself you know, to work in the field to feed pigs. So he longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. No one was there to help him. He was hungry. He, was, he desired to eat the food of the pigs. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, and this is the, the crucial moment in our lives, when we come to our senses, when we decide to repent to God. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am, as his child, I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. Keep in mind that when you repent, it's an attitude of humility. He's not thinking, oh, yeah. I'm going to go back. My father's going to welcome me. I'm his son anyway. And I'm going to be one of his son again. And everything will be okay. No, he says, I will go back. And he's going to back his dad to make me like one of your higher servants. He's humble now. So he got up, went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. It was filled with compassion for him. It says he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I, asked, I remember in the Philippines, we asked Brother Randy, we were doing this thing where we played basketball and just random kids uh, came and they heard the message and we, I, I asked Brother Randy, he has two sons, right? Rafi and, um, and Brian, Brian the tough guy, right? So I asked Brother Randy, and I'm going to ask you, Brother Enrico, if Will happened to run off and do what he did exactly in this story and he came back home, what would you do? You would? You would be like, no? <laughs> Accept him. It doesn't just say he was just waiting. But when he saw him, he was filled with compassion. He says he ran to his son and put through his arms around him and kissed him. Anybody here have a bill that I can use? An example? People are like, nope, not my money. Just anything. A dollar, $20, $100, Andy, I know you got some hundreds. Just anything. Oh, thank you, Ronnie. Is this real or is this fake? 
This looks fake. No. So the example that we gave to the same day when we were at the, in the basketball court, I took this $20 bill and I crumpled it. I asked them, what, what is it? And they said, I think it was like a dollar or something, or five, $5 bill, $10 bill. And I crumpled it and I said, does it lose the value even though it's crumpled? Do you want it? And they're like, yes. I was like, what if I do this and this? And I'm like, yes. And I said, no matter what happens or what I do to the bill, it doesn't lose the value of the cost of what this represents. So in the same way, thank you, Ronnie. Oh, wait, I'll give it to you later. Thank you. Okay. So in the same way, no matter what or how the son feels about himself in the eyes of God, his worth is still the same. It hasn't changed. And the thing is, in life, when we go through things, or when I mess up, when I do things, when I feel like I'm not good enough, I feel, and I feel, it's all about feeling, it's about mindset. The devil wants us to see the state that we're in, that we are broken, and that we are losers, and that we do not belong, that we are not worthy to be called back in the arms of God. But it's like that TV show with HGTV, right? The H H GTV, HGTV, where they like renovate houses and rooms. And you see the state, the devil wants you to see the state that you're in, broken. That you are not, you're not redeemable. But God comes and he fixes us up. And he gives us our worth back. Let's take a look at verse 18. The son, I was set out, go back to my father. Again, it was an act of his will. He was repenting. It's not just an emotional thing where he's just sitting there and he's just crying. But he made a decision. It was an act of his will. And, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Maybe like one of your highest servants. So he got up and went to his father. It was an action that he took. It was a decision that he made in his mind. And he put it into action. It says, while he was still far away off, the father saw him first, not the son. The father saw him, ran after him, filled with compassion, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Remember this part of the part of the story because it will be important for later. So we see that when the son thought he was no longer, he said, I am no longer worthy. I'll become like one of your higher servants. The father, he doesn't even bring up anything, but he gives him the best of everything, the best. He says, quick, bring the best robe, put it on it. Put a, bring, the, bring the ring and put it on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father in his mind, he did not see the son as a higher servant. He saw the son as his child. That no matter what the son did, no matter how much you crumpled the, the bill or anything, it did not lose the value. In the eyes of God, in the eyes of the father, it was still his son. And the father gives him the best, the best of everything. So the question, why was the father rejoicing? Why was he dancing? Why? Because this is the key. For the son of man was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And that's how God reacts when his children turn back to him, when they return home, when they return home from sin, when we come back to God, when we repent and we come back to God, God celebrates. So they began to celebrate. So point one, I have a father who welcomes me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're welcome. <laughs> say, welcome. <laughs> You're always invited. Right, Antonia? Welcome. <laughs> See, she doesn't get it at first. She's like, always second try or third try. Number two. I have a father who pursues me. Let's repeat. Ready? One, two, three. I have a father who pursues me. Meaning you are his beloved. And you have to look in the mirror. Everyone look, right? Look at yourself in the mirror. No, no, that's weird. Or take out your phone, and you could look at yourself through the camera. Wesley, can you take out your phone and do it? Whoa, Jerry, relax. <laughs> and say, I am his beloved. Do you believe that? Do you know that? That you are God's beloved? 
that God loves you? Do you know your identity? Do you know your worth? Do you know that you're worth being pursued? I have a father who pursues me. You have a father that pursues after you. You know, I'm a terrible singer, so I'm not going to sing. But I'm going to ask maybe one of you, maybe Ronnie, the song, Your Beloved. Can you sing it, please? I'll give you the lyrics. I am your beloved, your creation, and you love me as I am. You call me chosen for your kingdom, unashamed to call me your own. I am your beloved. Can you sing it with confidence as you're a child of God and say... Maybe you should stand and face everyone. Yes. <laughs> it's okay, you're worshiping. And your tie is really short. Yes, go. For your kingdom, for your kingdom unashamed, unashamed to call me your own. I am your beloved. Yay, good job. <laughs> so do you truly believe and know in your heart that you are God's beloved? Again, I'm sticking to Luke 15. Luke 15 is kind of like the main, second main passage here. Because in Luke 15, we just, we just talked about the prodigal son. But in Luke 15, well, let's talk about Matthew. There's different versions in the gospel, but Matthew's version, it says, there's a, in the Matthew's version of this story, it says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, again, sheep is a representation of us as human beings. So if, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go f- look for the one that wander off? And if he finds it, true. Truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep, about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Again, he uses the title, the phrase, Father. The same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little children, these ones, these sheep, should perish. Matthew is just kind of Generic, not really very descriptive. Luke's version, which we're going to go to, Luke 15, is very descriptive. And I love Luke's version. It says this, Then Jesus told them this parable, this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and then he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus goes on in Luke 15, gives another version of the story about coin silver, a woman who loses it. Will she not search the whole house and look for it? And when she had found the coin, the lost coin, she says, there'll be rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is reminding us over and over again that he is after the son and the daughter who was once lost but is found again, the one who repents. That's why Jesus has come to bring sinners back home to save and to seek and to save the lost. And the reality is, this is the reality. God is here because God is after sinners. God is after us. God is after your life. God is pursuing you. And the question, if you, if you answer this question with yes, are you lost today? And if you say yes, then that's good because there's hope for you. If you are lost, you will be found. There is hope for you. Because Jesus, our Father in heaven, the Father to the fatherless, the defender of widows, He desires to bring us back home. Christ the pursuer is pursuing after you. He's pursuing after me. He's not just sitting there waiting. But He will leave the 99 in that pursuit of that one soul, that individual that was lost. He will go and bring that individual back home. 
Jesus is seeking after you today. You have a father who pursues after you. He's not just casually pursuing after you. It's like that time when we were looking for Hiji's key. Do you guys remember? We were like passionately pursuing. And Lee's just like, oh yeah, I think it's here. And then she's like, oh, I found it. She found it. And Lee's just like, oh, she's so casual. But we're all like, where is it, where is it? We're looking under the car. He's passionately pursuing after us. Our whole lives, he's been after you. And the question is, do you not feel the tug, the call in your heart? The thing that you've been looking for, the thing that you've been empty with, the hole of emptiness in your heart. His love is the only thing in this world, from on this earth and from this lifetime to all of eternity. It's the only thing that can quench that hole. The emptiness is only his love can truly satisfy in our lives. Again, the question, do you not feel his call? So when the sheep is found, right, the sheep is broken, uh, when the sheep is not obviously in the best shape, I've shared with you the story in eastern Turkey as one sheep jumped, uh, 15, uh, 1,500 sheep they follow. So sheep are like blind leading the blind. Like without a shepherd, that's why you need a shepherd. Because they'll just do whatever and like they're like, oh, one's jumping, let's all jump. So they literally, 1,500, they follow one after the other. They fell off the cliff, 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 cliff. And it says 400 died instantly. So the ones who jumped first, right, they were the ones that made the cushion for the rest of the, uh, of the 1,100 who survived. And literally, <laughs> just cushioning on the bottom. The rest, they survived. So these owners, they would go. They would go search and find these sheep. They're obviously broken. They're injured. What would happen to these broken sheep? They would go. They would get them one by one carrying them on their shoulders. Matthew's version doesn't talk about it, but Luke's version, it says when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. I don't know if you've ever been lost. When I was a child, I've been lost a lot, like to the point where I was like at a police station, like, and they had to like find me. And I remember one time, uh, my father, he found me. I was very young. He took me, and I remember it to this day, that he put me on his back. Sometimes I would pretend like I'm sleeping when obviously I'm not. This is something that Andy would do, right, just pretending. And then, because you're too lazy, sixth floor is high, right? Obviously now we're older, doing two seconds, right? But when we're young, you know, we, we tend to do things in order for us to receive the love of our father. And I remember he would take me on his back, and he would take me up the stairs in the apartment and bring me back home. So when it says when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. It's a story about a father finding the lost son. What a beautiful story. What a powerful story of who our God is. So in life, whenever I find myself or whenever you find yourself in a broken state, Whenever you find yourself in a sinful state, whenever you find yourself in a, most, in a place of most hopelessness, remember Jesus Christ, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith, who is your Father, your agape Father, that loves you and that is pursuing after you, that He is the protector of your faith, of, you, of your life, that He is the author and the protector of my faith. He is an individual that pursues that not, not, not casually pursues after me, but passionately pursues after me, despite my many shortcomings, despite my many sins. Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He tends his flock, talking about God. God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young, meaning he's not rough with us. Right? Like with a pregnant lady, obviously you're not going to like push her away and you open the door and you would help. He is gentle with us. He gently leads those that have young. That have young. So the question on the screen, how do I give my life to him? And I'm going to go over this in point three and we're going to point three soon. And the second question, why should I trust him with my life? Maybe you don't know this guy. And the question is Why? I have everything I need. I know everything and I think I know everything. 
Why should I trust this shepherd, this God? Why should I trust them with my life? The Bible says in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, he's talking about himself, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is why Jesus says, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's not just a shepherd that does his job or a higher hand that does his job and he goes home and he forgets about you. But he says, when a wolf comes, he is willing to lay down his life. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life, a life for a life for the sheep. The higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But the Bible is very clear that he is a good shepherd. That's why you should trust him with your life. That I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So in the phrase when it says, I lay down my life for the sheep, Jesus is talking about literally the cross. He died on the cross. He gave his life for us, took the atonement of our sin the punishment that we deserve, the debt that we can never pay back to God because God is a holy God and we are filled with so much sin that he literally went on the cross and gave his life so that I can have life, so that we can live. That is the love of the Father. That is the Father's heart. You know, I have a great father. I learned so much lesson from him. And I remember when we came from Korea, we moved here. Uh, he would take me to McDonald's. And obviously at that time, you know, now I'm a, a quarter pounder kind of guy. With the onions, I love onions. But back then, I liked Big Mac. And I remember he would take me, and we'd go, and I would order Big Mac. At that time, I had a hard time finishing. But he ordered me a drink, a Coke, fries, and I would eat it. And he, whenever we go, he just wouldn't order things for himself. And I, and I wonder, and I asked him, and I remember like one of the classes that I, um, I took in college, I took a drawing class. I did a drawing just of that memory of that day. Well, it wasn't just one day, but just the memory of going to that place and just of me and my father eating together. And he wouldn't order things because he was just trying to save, right? Especially as immigrants, you come, you're trying to save money. But obviously when your child wants something, you're going to go and you're going to uh, do it for him. And that just memory just stuck with me. And I remember I still had that drawing. And it's a reminder of Father's love, the love of the Father. So again, you have a Father who what? Pursues you, pursues after you. Leading to point number three. And last point is this. Tying in with the end of what I just talked about in John 10. I lay down my life for the sheep. Number three says this. Ready? One, two, three. I have a father who gave himself for me. You have a father who gave himself for you, for your life. The most important reason for us to be thankful this season during Thanksgiving, we should be thankful every day, no matter what season. But it's an important reminder for us, the most important reason for us to be thankful this season is that I have a father who gave himself for me. I want to show you guys a clip. It's from a movie called To End All Wars. POWs, the soldiers who were prisoners in the Japanese camp. And it's a clip that I want to share with you, so please enjoy. And again, remembering the title, the point number three, I have a father who gave himself for me.
Life for a life, in our case, life for many, for all of humanity, for all of us, so that we can have life. Uh, let's just go to John 15, verse 13. And we're gonna, I'm going to go ahead and read. And it says this, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. It's on the screen. Can we all read it together with our voices? Ready? One, two, three. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. The one life is so precious to God, one life, and that one life is your life. You're so precious that he went on the cross and he died on our behalf so that we can have life. Jesus was the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate sacrifice 
So right now, with our eyes closed, this is between you and God and no one else. This is a relationship that you have with the Father. Don't worry about who is sitting next to you. At the end of the day, it comes down to you and the relationship that you have with your Father. He's not only my Father, but He is your Father. He is our Father. He is the defender of widows, the Father to the fatherless. Jesus, Jesus Christ, was the ultimate sacrifice. In the story, on January 13, 1982, Air Florida Flight 90 from Washington National Airport leaving to go to Miami, it said this plane, right after it took off, it failed to gain altitude and it crashed into the 14th Street Bridge onto the icy Potomac River. Again, this is January. It's freezing. Everything is icy. Instantly killing 78 people. In the story, it says, upon impact, six survived the crash. Six. In the testimony of five survivors, this one passenger, and his name, you don't know, you may not know this name, is not a famous name, but this name, his name is Arlen Dean Jr. This individual, this man, kept helping others to reach the rescue rose from the hovering helicopter. One after the other, in their testimony, is as he continued to pass the rope to others, and not using it on himself, he kept handing off the rope to a different survivor. So by the time, for the last time, when the helicopter came, Mr. Arlen D. Williams Jr., he had already drowned. Earlier I asked this question. Remember the two questions, how and why? Why should I give this life to him? I told you why, because he is the good shepherd. He is a shepherd that will lay down his life. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. He laid down his life for us because he is a good shepherd. We answer the question, why? But earlier I asked you the question, I'm going to go over in point three. How do I give my life to him? How? How do I turn back to God, you ask? That's a great question. Here's the answer. The same thing that was found in the story of Luke 15, of the prodigal son. Repent. Repent. And return back to God. Run back to your father because he is waiting for you and he is pursuing after you. He left the 99 and passionately pursuing after you. Remember what it said? In Luke 15, when he came to his senses, it says, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your high servants. So he got up. He got up and went to the father. That's repentance. That's repentance. It's action. Going back. So what was the result of this repentance after he got up and went to his father? It says the result of repentance is this. The result when you repent to God, this is how God reacts to your repentance. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for his son. He ran to his son. Again, it's not a servant. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Dad, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I do not deserve. Remember, I am a prodigal son. I'm a prodigal daughter. God, I wasted all your blessings. I don't deserve to be back. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring back the best robe and put it on my child. Put a ring on his and her finger and sandals on their feet. Bring the fan calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son and the daughter of mine was once lost, was once dead, and is alive again. And he was lost. He, she was lost and is found again. So they began to celebrate. That is the result of you turning back to God. That is the result of repentance. The Bible is clear that when you repent, God doesn't hold sin 
against you. He doesn't hold sin against us. Isaiah 43, 25 says this. Is God, in the, in God speaking, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers, meaning he chooses to remember your sins no more. That when we repent, just like the story of the Father in Luke 15, God receives us. God runs after us. He celebrates with joy no matter how far right now as you're sitting in your seat during this Thanksgiving season no matter how far you feel you have fallen from God God is right there to pick you back up when you are filled with disappointments failures and everything wrong in this life God is right there with his loving arms open to welcome you back home so the question what is repentance you ask repentance I'll tell you what is not which we went over in the other messages it is not an emotional experience, but it is a decision of the will, just like the man. He got up and he went back. It's an action. It's about changing your mind. It's a decision. It's a question asking yourself, am I living to please myself or am I living to please God? It's having a changed mind. It's realizing that you've been living with the wrong purpose your whole life. about changing your mind and your attitude. You were once lost, but now you are found. It's about pursuing after the heart of God. Run to Him. Run to Him. In the other message, I give you the analogy. If you're on a road trip, you're having fun with your friends, and you're relaxed, and all of a sudden, God forbid, you get into an accident, and your car flip is flipped, and the car is burning, would your mind not change? Would you just sit there casually and pretend as if you're still going to Grand Canyon? Your plans have altered. It has changed. Would you not take off your seatbelt? Would you not try to save yourself? Would you not go and help your friend and reach out to help your friend? Would you not change your mind and put it into action? Many of us, we're too casual when it comes to returning back to God. Repent this. It's not a passive action, but it's an action that requires action right away. You need to change your mind and you need to run back to the Father. Run back. Turn around and come back to God right now. For repentance is foundation. Do not become double-minded in repentance. It's better for you to live lost, fully lost in the world than for you to pretend on Sunday, you live for God only, and Monday through Saturday, you live for yourself. That is not the kind of Christianity. That is not the relationship that we are called to live in. And I want to ask you right now, right now, right now, if you're in an unrepentant state, I want to challenge you to run back to God right now. Ask yourself this question. Don't compare yourself to the person sitting next to you. Compare yourself to yourself. Who am I? Who was I five years ago? Do you remember back when you were passionate for the things of the Lord? When you were passionate for His things? When you lived for Him? When you remember and you knew in your heart that He was your Father? That He was your Abba Father? Have you forgotten? Who are you today? It's not about who you were last year. It's about who you are right now, at this time. Right now. Right now. The Bible is clear that today is a day of salvation. So right now, with our eyes closed, with our eyes closed, and our hearts fully surrendered to the Lord, let's run back to the Father. Let's run to Him. Cry out to Him. Pray to Him. Run to Him. Run after Him. For He is waiting for you. He is right there waiting. He is pursuing after you. Run to your Father. Father to the fatherless. Defender to the widows. Run to Him. Let's pray to God.
prayer topic is this. Right now we've been talking about those who are in Christ and for those who have squandered and and ran away from God. And it's an act of repentance. It's an action that we take. But for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, for those maybe you're curious and you want to know, and the Bible is very clear that today is a day of salvation, that salvation is right now, that today is a day of repentance, that tomorrow you may say, oh, I'll wait till maybe next week or next year, next month. But it says, the Bible says, tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. And all of life comes down to just this one thing. It's not for you to get married. It's not for you to have children. It's not for you to have. And all, yes, all those things are blessings from God. But the most, the single most important thing and decision that you need to make for all of eternity is to know your Father and to be known by Him. To know God and to be known by God. To have a relationship with Him. The Bible says that now is a time of favor. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. It says, the Bible says in Psalm 95 that if you hear a voice, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but turn back to him. Repent. Turn to him. And your sins will be wiped out. And times of refreshing will come from the Lord, it says in Acts 3. So remember, Today is the day of salvation. Turn to God. Turn to God. On this earth, you will never find anyone else like it. And you may ask, how? How do I turn to God? How do I give my life to God? How do I become saved? Simple. Acts 16 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and he rose again from the dead. That's just like the video that we saw. Believe in your heart that He died for your sins, that He gave His life for you so that you can have life, so that your sins and your past, your sins, the debt that you have accumulated over the years from birth, that it has been wiped away. Believe in your heart. The Bible says, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, who is this one and only son it's our Lord Jesus Christ it's our Father Jesus Christ that anyone who pleases him shall not perish but have eternal life declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and it says you will be saved you will be saved profess with your mouth and you will be saved so right now let's just take a moment Take a moment right now to give an opportunity for us to confess our life and to be saved. Can we just turn to Him? Can we just pray? Take a moment to pray right now. It doesn't have to be loud, but in the quietness of our voice, say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, right now I believe in my heart that God, that you raised your son Jesus Christ from the dead that those who believe and call out his name will be saved for it is with our heart that we believe and we are justified and it is with our mouth that we profess our faith and are saved we just confess and accept Jesus and follow Jesus as our Lord and our Savior let's pray together in the quietness of our voice Father thank you for the life salvation that I received. Thank you for the promise that's been given to me. Thank you, Lord, for this relationship. God, forgive me, Lord, for just living in my own strength, depending on myself, Father. When you're you're with me, you've been with me all these years, even in the midst of my shortcomings, God, you will never let me down. You're my pillar, you're my foundation, you're my everything. Father, you're my all. This is the most important decision. It's a decision that we made for all of eternity. 
this is more important than the decision we make and who we marry or how many children we have or the schools that we get into or the dream job that we have at the end of the day God ashes to ashes dust to dust and for naked we are born and naked we will depart on this earth all our savings in our bank account all the things all our education all the titles for we will not take it with us God, we were born in your image. Father, help us to return back to our maker, to our creator, to my fathers. Father to the fathers. Defender of widows. Father, thank you. You are my God. You are my king. praying, keep praying. He says, when you ask and when you are saved, it's a promise that's given that he will give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us. That he will remove from you the heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. Heart of flesh meaning you are alive. You will have a living heart. A heart that you can feel again. Right now we have a dead heart. Our heart is hard as a rock. We don't, our hearts are not moved anymore to the things of God. Turn to Him, and He will give you a heart of flesh. Do not trust your own heart. Do not trust your own heart right now. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17 that your heart is deceitful, beyond cure, and it is sick. Who can understand your heart? You need a new heart. Ask God to give you a new heart. Ask Jesus to give you a heart transplant. put in us not the physical law of do's and don'ts legalistic view in a relationship doing things for you because we feel like we have to but change us from the inside out change us give us a new heart therefore we will desire to follow you out of obedience out of the free will out of the choices that we make live the rest of our lives for you, for your kingdom. Thank you. Thank you for the promise that we have. Thank you, Father. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. Father, thank you for the promise that we have. Thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for loving us and not forgetting us. Thank you, Father God, that you are a Father who welcomes me. Thank you, Father, that God, you are a Father who pursues me. Thank you, Father, that you are the Father, that I have a Father who gave himself for me. Who am I, God? Who am I? Thank you for loving me and for knowing me and for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for this church. Thank you for dying for this church. For all of humanity. Thank you for dying for the world. This world for you love the world. And you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. At this time, I want to invite you to please stand to your feet. And let's just close the service with the final song, Living in Your Grace. Let's just make this song our prayer and our worship, our cry before our Father in heaven. Let's sing together. My Savior sees who I am. Sees every pain in my heart. My Savior sees every tear. He understands my lonely cry. We're gonna change the words a little bit. We're gonna say, My Father sees who I am. He sees every pain. 
My father sees every tear. He understands my lonely cry. Let's sing it together. My father sees who I am.
sustains me. I live my life only. Can we sing it every moment? In every moment. And in every moment, Jesus sustains me. I live my life only by His grace. I live my life only by His grace. Let's pray together. Father, to the fatherless, defender of widows, is God and His holy dwelling. Father, thank you, Father, for being our Father. Thank you for being a God that welcomes us into your home, into your kingdom. Thank you for being a God. Thank you for being a Father who pursues after us. Thank you for being the Father that gave Himself for us so that we can have life. Thank you for the hope that we have in this lifetime and for all of eternity. Thank you for the relationship. Father, we look to you. We thank you. There aren't words or actions enough for us to pay back, to give this life and to live for you, Father. The only thing you ask, God, is our obedience to love you and to pursue after you, just as you pursued after us every single day. Not because we have to, not because it's the law, but it's a rule that we have to follow, but simply from having a new heart, having a spirit of Christ in us, having the Holy Spirit within us, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, as we are changed, not from outside in, but from the inside out, that we desire to follow you and to be obedient to you. Father, help us to have a new meaning, what it means to have a relationship with the Father. Thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you that forgive us. God, once when we were too immature, we did whatever we wanted. But thank you that now that we have matured a little bit, we have come to a place of humility and humiliation. In repentance, God, we run to you, God. Thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have. Just like the prodigal son. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.